Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. After a Fox 6 investigation, a school administrator is on leave, the police are involved, and school leaders are pausing a pricey education tool. I think families are wondering how they can be confident they're getting the best decisions for their students and not the best decision for one employee's wallet. At the end of every decision, there's a child in a desk somewhere. And in order to get the best outcome for that child, you need to follow policy. We're having a hard time getting answers about this, and I'm not really sure why no one wants to talk about it. You've really done a good service with your journalism. Thank you. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hey, Brian. Hey, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Tuesday, November 23rd for release on Wednesday, November 24th, just in time for your Thanksgiving travel. Before we get into today's topic, though, I think we need to take a moment to acknowledge what happened in Waukesha over the weekend, Amanda. Yeah, that's right. So police say on Sunday, a man named Daryl Brooks used his SUV to plow through the Waukesha Christmas parade. So at at this point in time, we know five people are dead, more than 40 hurt, including at least 18 children, some in critical condition. And the information that is coming into our newsroom about that event, even a couple of days into it, is still changing and evolving. We're going to take a deeper dive into what happened in a future episode of Open Record, but right now we just want to acknowledge our thoughts are with Waukesha. Today we're taking you behind the scenes of a Fox 6 investigation that sparked change before it even made it on the air. Amanda, this is no surprise. It all started, no surprise because it's you, this all started with an Open Records request. (laughs) It did start with an Open Records request, but not in the way you might think. So it's August, I had just gotten back from maternity leave and I was thinking about the different things I wanted to dive into. And so I started requesting school board member voicemails from different districts. This was when school districts were having conversations about COVID-19 mitigations, when they would come back to school, there were debates about masks. I had and heard voicemails. Yes. Not, not just emails, but voicemails, which is not something we often think about, but those are public records. They are public records. And I had been hearing that board members were getting threats. And I wanted to see if those threats were happening on voicemails. And voicemails are much easier records to gather than emails. So I, I figured I'd start there, sent that request out to a bunch of different districts. And the Wawatosa voicemails started coming back. And I did not see or here, I should say, threats, but I did find a completely different story. So one school board member, he had a voicemail from a retired school board member named Mary Jo Randall. And in this voicemail, Mary Jo Randall is asking questions about something called AVID and this legal opinion. And, and it sounded really interesting. Before I know it, 
I'm sitting in Mary Jo Randall's backyard and she's filling me in on this issue that she's been trying to bring to the board for months and she doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. And that's when I knew I had some digging to do. So before we get started, AVID is a program. um, It's a college readiness and college prep program. And that's probably oversimplifying it. And we're going to get into the ins and outs of how AVID works in, in a future episode. But it stands for Advancement via Individual Determination. It's in thousands of schools across the country. It's in several districts right here in Wisconsin. And this program runs through an elective class that students can apply to take. That's what they call Little Avid. And then Big Avid is kind of this school-wide program where teachers incorporate Avid strategies into their classrooms. So we're talking study skills, um, help through the college application process, tutoring, and the the whole goal is to uh, close what's known as the opportunity gap, that test score gap we see between white students and students of color. So that's an overview of the program. Now, there are some debates about how effective that program is. And Mary Jo had some concerns about whether the program could deliver on its promises in the district, but she had more concerns about how this program came to be in Wabatosa School District. What I love about this, especially what I love about this podcast, is so often we see the results of a story without really understanding how it came to be. And to know that in this case, you weren't even looking for this story. It was there, but we didn't know. We didn't know there was a voicemail or there are voicemails going back and forth about this issue that affects children, that affects parents in the district. Um, You go looking for complaints or threats about masks in schools and you find this. But when we get something like this and and you meet with someone like Mary Jo, oftentimes we're still wondering, okay, is this as big a story as she's making it sound? Is this something bigger that I should be spending time looking into? And a lot of times that involves actually trying to almost defeat your own argument, right? Like sort of testing the theory. Is this really a story or is it not? How did that work here? Yeah. So, well, first of all, Mary Jo actually wasn't sure she wanted to, uh, quote, get media involved in this. I think she was surprised (laughs) that I had come across her voicemail. Um, But she she was really concerned and she she did end up talking to us about the story. So her big concerns for for people who have not seen the story is um, she was surprised at how quickly the program was adopted in the district with very little discussion. And she was concerned about a personal relationship. So in this case, uh, an assistant superintendent in Wauwatosa School District named Kristen Bauer, she was the assistant superintendent of teaching and learning, which is the department that this program would be under, right? Her husband named Brett Bowers, he's a former high school principal in Mequon-Thienesville, uh, works for AVID. So you have the person overseeing the department that has AVID and she's married to an AVID employee. So that was her concern. And so, and you and I have talked about this before, Brian, we, we, I start these stories with under operating under the assumption that there is not a story here. And I keep trying to prove there is not a story 
until the evidence leads me to there is a story. Because I think if you go in with the assumption that, you know, there's something wrong going on, then you start subconsciously looking for things that fit that narrative. So to me, it's really important to go in with the mindset, okay, this isn't a story. I'm going to start out trying to prove this isn't a story. And then along the way, if there's evidence to show this is a story, that's when I know I have something. And by the way, for people listening who think, oh, come on, you're just saying that we do this all the time. We spend a lot more time killing stories and never that never make air because we've vetted them and found, yeah, that's not what the person presented or yeah, there's a lot more to this that they're not telling us. And, and it really doesn't rise to the level of a story. So we do a lot more of sort of vetting and then killing our own story ideas than we do actually putting things on the air. That's right. And we go into it knowing we have to, even if you've invested uh, in or, an inordinate amount of time into a story, you have to be ready to kill it and not be so emotionally invested that you, you feel like you can't get to that point. So the first thing I do is file some open records requests because I want to see any um, emails to and from Kristen Bowers about Avid. I want to see if there are emails back and forth between her and her husband. Uh, and I want to see the superintendent's emails about Avid. I also requested invoices, contracts, uh, I wanted to know, uh, you know, what the the proposals looked like for the program, uh, if there were any bids or quotes from other companies. Well, so, let's be clear here for a second, because what you're looking for in all of that, if I understand it, is the question of whether or not there is a conflict of interest here, because you have this assistant superintendent over the program and her husband who works for the program. What's that relationship? And is she, in fact, working for the benefit of the students and the, the you know those in the district or for the benefit of her husband and her own family, right? That's right. That, the, the key question and what you heard me ask or say to board members at the beginning of this episode is, you know, parents and taxpayers want to know they're getting the best program or best decision for them, not the best decision that personally benefits one individual. So that's why most states in their ethics codes uh, have a law surrounding what's known as conflict of interest. And it basically says that you can't use your government position to financially benefit yourself, your immediate family, or an organization you're associated with. So an organization that pays you, for example. So that's one part. And then there's another part of Wisconsin code that says if the contract is more than $15,000, you can't um, really be trying to influence the outcome of that contract if it would personally benefit you. So th there are a couple different parts of Wisconsin law that address this, and, and that's why it would be a big deal. Um, and so Mary Jo Randall had been showing up at board meetings for months asking questions about this AVID contract. And after she started showing up, uh, there was a board member, Mike Meyer, who started saying he was concerned because he took a look at it and saw that the contract had not been bid out. So school board policy is if your contract is above a certain amount, you need to get quotes from other businesses or in some cases, competitive bids for other businesses. And again, the, these policies are designed to make sure you're not giving programs or contracts to your buddies, right? So he had started asking some questions about that, but nothing really happened. The board hadn't taken any official action. 
it really sounded in those meetings like a lot of those concerns were getting dismissed. So while I waited for my public records uh, to come back after those requests that I filed with the district, I spent three weeks watching literally three years worth of Wauwatosa school board meetings just to understand how this contract came to be and what discussions there were about it. And there was very little conversation about it. And the way AVID works is if you are doing this school-wide AVID, the quote, big AVID, it really is, I mean, you are bringing in a new instructional framework. That is, you are changing the way teachers throughout the school are teaching their classes. In some school districts, they even evaluate teachers based on how well they incorporate AVID strategies. So for how big of a deal that was, the only real discussion about AVID I could find was at one point where they're introducing it as a new course, the AVID elective class that focuses on study skills and things like that. That entire conversation was seven minutes, including the presentation and Q&A. And then when the board voted to adopt this bigger AVID program, the presentation was 10 minutes. There were maybe 10 minutes of questions. And it, it didn't really, you didn't get the idea from that, that, wow, this is a, this is a really big program. And there was no mention at that point that there were no quotes from other companies and the contract hadn't been bid out. And at no point in these public meetings, are there mentions of this relationship between this assistant superintendent, Kristen Bowers and her husband who works for Avid. So I thought that was interesting as well. So, so Amanda, you went and got these emails for the purpose of seeing what was that relationship? What influence did it have on the uh, signing of that contract, the expansion of the program eventually, what did you find in those emails? So we got more than 500 pages of emails back. So going through them and, you know, they're out of order. Um, So sifting through them and seeing what they said, that actually took quite some time. Brett Bowers and his wife, Kristen Bowers, emailed back and forth pretty frequently, and they they were very candid in their emails. So those emails show, at least as of 2016, when Brett Bowers was still a high school principal, he was getting paid by Avid as a, quote, staff developer. So he would get paid to go to what's known as the Summer Institute, which is like the big conference where people get hyped up about Avid. He was getting paid to do trainings um, to, as he called it, facilitate site teams. And he spells his pay out to his wife what he's getting paid for each thing. This is while he's a high school principal. And this is while Wawatosa is having conversations about AVID. So at the same time as he's getting paid, his wife is talking up AVID to her bosses, to her staff. She's sending them promotional materials for AVID. In some cases, materials she received directly from her husband. Her husband gives an AVID speech. She sends it out to everybody. Uh, She's talking about signing her boss up for uh, an AVID showcase so that he can learn more about AVID. So she was very involved in promoting the program. And the current and former employees we talked to confirmed yeah, she was she was really talking all of this up. And you might be wondering, okay, well, he, he's getting paid. What's the big deal? How does that directly benefit them? There's an email exchange in which she and her husband are talking about their spring 
break plans. So this is 2016. They're talking about their 2017 spring break and their $3,900 hotel bill is due. And her husband, Brett Bowers, is talking about how he has these avid trainings coming up. And she says, that's great because we can use money from that to pay for our hotel. He says, I'm, I don't think I'm going to have those checks in time. And she suggests he uses money from his part-time consulting work to pay for their hotel bill. That week, actually that day, and then two days later, he sends invoices for his consulting work to one of his clients, which is Wauwatosa School District. So let me get this straight. So he, as they're talking about needing some money for their vacation fund and they need it quickly, he goes out and bills the district she works for for the work he's doing on the program she's talking of. That's right. So you have taxpayer dollars going to AVID, which is sending the Bowers family checks, but you also have taxpayer dollars going directly to the Bowers family for the consulting work that Brett Bowers is doing. And they're just doing all of this openly in emails that you can request through open records. That's right. They were very comfortable on their emails. Because remember, both of them have, it's their work emails, but it's also their government emails that are subject to public records requests. And you could tell right away going through those emails how comfortable they are. So, you know, there's one email in 2015 that he sends to um, his wife that he's recommending a book. And he says, your band of morons could use it. This is on their work email. And he's Me- meaning he's, who the people at her school district, her, her, her coworkers, I presume. Um, so he's calling her coworkers, your thing. band of morons, even though they're ones paying his consulting bill. Yes. Yep. That's so, a great I mean, point, Brian. It, seem, it seems there that he's, that they're so comfortable. They're not really considering the fact that somebody like an investigative reporter might look at these one day. Correct. At one point, she passes along a statement that then Superintendent Phil Ertle wants to send out. And she's expressing frustration. She doesn't like this statement that he wants to send to the Wauwatosa community. And her husband responds that it's the worst work product he's ever seen. And they just kind of trash this statement back and forth. And I say this just to show you how truly comfortable they were on these emails. So we know that we were getting their candor when we went through all of this documentation. So So the the ones that are most concerning are the discussions about sort of personally enriching themselves and paying the vacation fund on the backs of taxpayers. The question, I guess, the the overarching question, the big one is, is that illegal? Well, and if you look at Wisconsin law, um, there are definitely some concerns. Now, the interesting thing is it's not until Brett Bowers gets a full-time job with Avid in 2019 that she, you see any mention directly of her saying, hey, is our relationship going to be an issue? So summer 2019, he gets this full-time job with Avid. Kristen Bowers emails then superintendent Phil Ertle saying, hey, it's been brought to my attention that maybe I should inform the board of my connection with Avid. And Phil Ertle says he'll run it by legal. He then sends out an email 
to the school board members and to various Wauwatosa staff. This email has a bunch of things, but in the middle of the email is uh, a few sentences about the, the Bowers relationship. And he says it ran, he ran it by legal. They said, it's not a conflict, but it's good to address. And there are some steps they should take if the district ever were to expand AVID. Now that surprised me that legal would say it's not a conflict because when you look at the law as a layperson reading it, it sure sounds like it, it could be a conflict of interest. What we found out later is this, when the school board actually decided to, in a, in a stunning move, waive attorney-client privilege and release this, the actual legal opinion that Phil Ertl received, the legal opinion called it a potential conflict of interest and appearance of impropriety. And it says that Kristen Bowers should not be involved in, in anything that has to do with the AVID contract, but it also says she should not be the AVID director. That's kind of the person who oversees like quality control of AVID in the district. And they, they really get into detail about the legal ins and outs of that. So up to that point, she had been involved and maybe there's some questionable relationship there. But now there's a legal opinion that says, whoa, 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 backpedal here. She should not be involved in, in this. There's a potential conflict and, and appearance of impropriety. So what happens after that? Well, and I should note, the legal opinion doesn't make any reference to Brett Bauer's previous work for AVID or his consulting for the district. And it makes me wonder if the person who wrote that opinion even knew about all of that, because it's no, re- it kind of makes it sound like, oh, here's a vendor we already contract with, and now her husband newly works for them. And that that's not the case. He had already been getting paid by AVID. So I thought that was interesting. So then I was especially interested in what the emails after that date said. You know, you get this legal opinion. Do you pull back immediately? And the answer to that was no. So Kristen Bowers was still in discussions about AVID. There are emails that go back and forth where um, a staff member says, Kristen and I reviewed the AVID proposal for the um, proposed expansion of the program in the district. You see in emails, it's documented that she's in meetings about AVID. So, and then we actually, through our open records request, got a voicemail from after this legal opinion came through from an AVID representative saying, hey, I hear you want to train your staff and you have concerns about what that'll cost. We, we want to work with you about that. So that makes it clear to me at that point, I know, okay, we have a story. Because up until the legal opinion, you can make an argument that, you know, maybe someone didn't know, um, you know, maybe they thought he was getting paid so little by AVID that it wasn't really a big deal. But then after that, you know, maybe the involvement stopped. And it became clear that the involvement continued. Not so only- it's, it's one thing for her to have continued, but I guess I'm wondering... Where is the where is the district's responsibility in all of this? They knew the superintendent knew. So what does the district say about the continued allowance of of her involvement in pushing for an expensive expansion? Well, and that's what we had a hard time getting answers to. So we reached out to the now former superintendent, Phil Ertl. He left 
um, you know, before, before all of this went down, but he was here through the, the vote to expand Avid and he knew all about the relationship. He never responded. Uh, we repeatedly asked the Bowers and Avid representatives for comment. None of them responded. The new superintendent, Damon Means, originally said he'd go on camera and answer our questions and, and let us bring a camera into an Avid classroom. But then he backtracked and said he wouldn't answer questions. And then the, the school board members, the ones who voted for all of this and who were copied on that email about the Bowers relationship, um, none of them would go on camera either. And so at that point, when we've exhausted all options, that's when we said, okay, now it's time to show up at a public meeting and, and get people to answer our questions. And we decided to do that with the school board because they're, they're the boss right? The superintendent answers to the school board. So we have Kristen Bowers who answers to the superintendent. The superintendent answers to the school board. The school board's the one who voted on all of this. And it seems like a lot of this kind of slipped under their radar. So for example, the, the equity team in Wauwatosa recommended the expansion of AVID. This was after the legal opinion came down. And this equity plan that the district had, uh, the six and a half pages, uh, the equivalent of a full page is dedicated to AVID. I start calling people on the equity team. Not only do people have no recollection of AVID ever being discussed, <laughs> two people on the equity team said, oh, what is AVID? Can you tell me about the program? They had never heard of it. Turns out the equity team reports to Kristen Bowers. So I wanted to know, how did the school board not catch that. At board meetings, she's still answering questions about AVID. In fact, several times the people who are supposedly in charge of overseeing the expansion have to defer to her because they don't know the answer to those questions. So I wanted to know, how did no one catch this? What was happening? So I show up at the school board meeting and at first um, to say people were not interested in speaking to me is, is probably an understatement. Um, we had one board member, Mike Phillips, who told us he's working on developing new board policies, but he wouldn't elaborate on that. He said, I'd have to talk to the board president, Steve Doman. So I go to talk to him and he says he's not going to answer questions because he and I don't have a relationship and he doesn't trust me to do a fair story. So it was kind of, um, it, it really hit me that in a story about personal relationships, I have a school board president tell me he's not going to speak to me because we don't have a relationship. Uh, so I decide to wait it out till the end of the meeting, which goes past midnight because there's a, a long executive session. But I, I just I need to see if anyone will talk to me. Anyone will answer these questions. So two board members, Sean Rowland and Mike Meyer, stop and they answer our questions. And they say even though they had received some of these emails about the Bowers relationship. They had no, they claimed they did not know about it when they made those votes to expand AVID. They say that they think the program needs to be rolled back and they wanted to know what we found. They had not seen these records that we had uncovered. And, and that's, so, that's remarkable when a journalist is coming to the school board who has voted on a $170,000 contract for a vendor and they're saying, gosh, show us what you found about our own decision. Uh, that's a pretty remarkable situation. Yeah, I had been operating under the assumption that they had already seen 
what I found. And they hadn't, even though for months before I got involved, people had been asking questions. And that actually surprised me when board members wouldn't do interviews. Maybe I'm just a naturally curious person, but if I were them, I would want to know what I found, right? Um, so, so Mike Meyer and Sean Rowland wanted to know what I found. And they took a look at those public records and they send an email to the school board president saying, we are really concerned by what we've seen here. And we want there to be a vote to release this legal opinion to the public, but we also want an investigation into what happened. So things kind of progress rapidly from there. At the next school board meeting, the board votes to release the legal opinion. They announce an investigation. And then the night before our story airs, or I should say the day before our story airs, they send a, a blast email to Wawatosa parents with a web page they've created about this situation. They say they've gotten the police involved to do an investigation and they'll be posting public records about this. So it, it went from months and months and months of inaction to things evolving very quickly. And I don't know if it was that letter or if it was subsequent, but you then have the district superintendent apologizing for not living up to their standards, uh, professional accountability standards. Your investigation got a response before you even put it on television. It, It did. So now the district is pausing its avid expansion. They admit that they violated their own policies when they did not get quotes or competitive bids from other businesses related to this. And they've hired a firm to do uh, an outside investigation into all this, in addition to the police investigation. Uh, So, and and as of recording, Kristen Bowers is on paid administrative leave. Uh, Before we go off the record, I just want to ask this sort of in in summary, because you spent a lot of time on this. You you got immediate results with this investigation. It's one instance of a cozy relationship between someone working for a school district, a government entity, and someone in in the private sector, and and sort of uh, those interests colliding. I I guess the bigger picture question is, you did a lot of work finding this. You, You stumbled across it in a voicemail. How often is this going on out there, whether it's in school districts or in local governments or wherever it is? How often is this happening and how do you protect against it? Yeah. And that's really hard to pinpoint because not everyone is as candid in their government emails as the Bowers were. And not every voicemail details situations like this, right? This whole thing actually also made me kind of sad about the state of newsrooms currently, because this had been, Mary Jo had been going to public meetings talking about this for a long time. And I think if this happened even 10, 15 years ago, someone would have picked up on it a lot sooner. But newsrooms are so much smaller now than they used to be. You often don't have reporters at these school board meetings because they're stretched so thin. People aren't even just covering one beat anymore. And Or reporters with the time that you have that Fox 6 graciously gives us and invests in us to do this kind of journalism because it takes time. It does take time because you can run the one-off story of, oh, so-and-so has concerns about this program. 
But when you do the work and you have the time to do the research and dig in and become an expert in the subject, your journalism can be much more impactful because you really laid out for people, here's what's happening and here's how it affects your tax dollars, your child, your family. And that's what we were able to do here to the point where we had we had one board member go on camera saying, thank you for your journalism. This has done a public service. And we don't get that kind of acknowledgement very often. But having that time to dig into it, that's everything. And it's not often that people are in our position, Brian, where they, they have that time. And so I'm grateful that we work for managers who believe in this kind of journalism and have invested in this kind of journalism, but it's also, it's, it's few and far between. And it's unfortunately easier now than it used to be for these kinds of situations to fly under the radar. And it's time for us to go off the record the part of the podcast where we answer a question we typically have not prepared for. You'll understand why I said typically in a moment. Here to ask us today's question is our executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hello, hello. I realized today could have been the day where you all just did this without me, but uh, I wouldn't be as thankful (laughs) if you did that. So yes, normally you don't know the question uh, or the answer, maybe sometimes. Um, but this week we did talk about, um, you know, in a, in a time that has been so wild and, you know, the last year and a half, 18 months, whatever you want to, however you want to mark your time. Um, I think around this week of Thanksgiving, we always take a couple minutes, I think internally, uh, and maybe with our friends and family to just say what we're thankful for. And so that's kind of what we're going to do today is just kind of go around the horn and, and just talk about something we're thankful for. It could be something what might seem small or, you know, grand scale. So um, does anyone want to go first? <laughs> I will go first. And I'll say this, I, even though I say we typically have not prepared for, and yet I knew this question was coming, I'm still not prepared for it because yeah, I didn't think fair. about it. But it's not a hard one to answer. And I'll say, especially after the events of, of this weekend, this past weekend in Wa- Waukesha, I think we are all extremely grateful for our family, our health, our safety. Um, you know, we've all been to holiday parades. I'll be going to one this weekend. I'll be uh, appearing in the Grafton uh, holiday parade if they go forward with it. And I don't know if they are. They're making that decision as uh, today when we record this on, on Tuesday, the 23rd. Um, but the idea that you go there to, you know, for kids to experience joy and, and for all of us to be immersed in the holiday season, a time for family, a time for memories, I, I think to imagine having so much ripped away and so much trauma and heartache uh, at a time like that, it, it's hard to fathom. I think any of us who have um, you know, loved ones, children, to imagine what so many of those families are going through and, and uh, how their uh, holiday experience will be never the same. Uh, I'm extremely grateful. On those lines, I've, I've definitely held my children a little tighter the last few nights since all of that happened. And, you know, even so right now my kids are, um, they're home cause there were, there were positive COVID cases at daycare. And I think in the past I would have been very frustrated with that scenario. You know, you're trying to do work, your kids are running around and, you know, now I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful 
that they're here and that I can hold them and that I can listen to my two-year-old's really silly songs. Um, and I'm totally okay with her obsession with Moana and Frozen at the moment. Um, I will never complain about that. That will only last again. so long. I want to add that I am thankful for a professional colleague who knows when to step in because I'm getting choked up and rescue me there. That was well played. Yeah. Uh, but but it is, it's it's an emotional time to think about what, what Waukesha has been through. And I think people all across the country are identifying with that right now, which is why it's resonated so so far and so wide. Yeah. And I think it's the reason this it hits so much is because it's it is you put your your finger right on it, Brian. It's something that's so innocent you know, celebrating the the holidays with your family and you see the videos where you had little kids who were dancing and um, it's, it, it really, it really puts a lot of things in, in perspective. So this Thanksgiving, especially, especially grateful for the gift of my children. Um, and I'll remind myself of that assuming their COVID tests come back negative as we're in the four hour car ride on the way to grandma's house. And we're on, you know, our 100th rendition of the frozen soundtrack. Um, but that's, I, I, I can't really think of anything. I'm, I'm more grateful for this Thanksgiving. I think before this weekend, and I knew again, you know, it's like, I knew we were going to record a little early and, and, you know, I was thinking of the question and how I wanted to answer it. I was already going to say my kids because I feel like every day I get to pick them up from school and the time we have together before my husband gets home, you know, it's, they make me laugh. They challenge me in good and bad uh, ways, but it's, you know, they're just, they're, I don't know, like my heart just swells for them and the love I have. And so I was already going to say my kids, Um, and then this weekend happened and it was just, um, you know, like I said to my mom yesterday on the phone, it is again, the sad proof and just reminding yourself that tomorrow isn't promised that, that it doesn't matter. It, you know, unfortunately things can happen anywhere and it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be maybe as, as intense as what happened over the weekend, but just, you never know. You never know what's going to happen and things can change in an an absolute second. And so to just remember like how blessed we all are for what we have and, and even what we don't have, because there's reason for, for the stuff. And there's a reason to be thankful for what, for what's right in front of us. And like you said, I think the whole parade thing, I mean, it's, it's a common thing. People, everyone goes to a parade, you know, like people, people that deal with other stuff can say, Oh, I don't go to a school. I don't go to school. I don't have kids in school. So I don't have to worry about that maybe, or, you know, just different things, but everyone has gone to a parade. Everyone can picture people lined up on the curb. Um, and it's just, you can put yourself there and it's, I don't know, it's just been a really a lot of inflection and, you know, just thoughts the last couple of days of all those people and just thinking about everyone. But again, just to be thankful for what I have and, and remember that not everyone has that. So I, I will add that I'm also grateful that there is an increased understanding in our industry in journalism of the, the trauma that happens. You know, there are a lot of videos of this incident that we are not airing for the public uh, because they're, they're so incredibly graphic, but we still have to watch them as part of our jobs. 
And in the past, it was just kind of a suck it up buttercup mentality. This is part of the job. You deal with it. And it's why you do have a lot of journalists who have PTSD and, and develop some other problems with trying to cope with that very real trauma. And certainly we're not the only industry, but this is the one we're all in. So this is what I'm speaking to. And so I am grateful that now there is an increased understanding in this profession that it is traumatic to cover these situations, to be immersed in those situations, to see all of those videos on repeat, and that now there are more resources for people to to work out that trauma and to get help. I want to say something that I'm thankful for as well. That it may be a little bit lighter note, but I, I don't. We don't often talk about who's listening to this podcast. But I have. I don't know about you guys. We don't really have like the best metrics to know how many people are listening at any given time. And we can rely on downloads, but that's not necessarily an accurate right. metric all the time. Um, it doesn't mean someone's listened or listened all the way through. But what we know, and people can listen to places where we don't see sort of credit for that. But what I love is when someone randomly tells me, hey, I listened to your podcast the other day on X and, and I really learned a lot. That was great. And I, I'm, I love knowing that people uh, spend a little bit of time listening to us gab and BS and no one has come up to me yet and said that they agree with me on Snickers, but that's coming. <laughs> Can I, well, one more, and one more thing. No, um, I will say, and because he'll be editing this, he will laugh. But yesterday when I told, um, editor Dave that we were going to be doing this a day, a couple days early and, and he said, Oh, do you have a question lined up? That'll double the time of the podcast. <laughs> So yes. I yes, said, I look, do. it's very important issues. So you know what? <laughs> he likes it. Oh, I thought, Dave I Machuda, thought that's we were... are grateful for you. That's yes. what I was waiting for. Yeah. That's oh yeah. I was getting for. there. Whoops. <laughs> no, we are. I am grateful for this podcast, guys. It's been a big year for us with, uh, you know, everything we've been doing continued since the pandemic began. Um, I, I'm grateful uh, that we get to do this, uh, especially since we don't get to see each other in person very often. It's, it's kind of like our, our uh, weekly get together, um, but I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do this and, uh, and still to be your colleagues. So uh, looking forward to the rest of this holiday season and, and you know, the new year to come. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record now or in the future, an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to all the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. With that, I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we'll be back next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.